Welcome to the Female Athlete Project. My name is Chloe Dalton. I'm an Olympic gold medalist in rugby sevens. And because I have commitment issues, I've played two other sports at professional level. The last two seasons, I've played for Carlton in the AFLW, and prior to that, played for the Sydney Uni Flames in the Women's National Basketball League. I'm currently training full-time with the Australian Rugby Sevens team in preparation for the now Tokyo 2021 Olympics. One of my favourite things to do is to head down to the beach, grab a coffee and the paper, flip to the back page and read about sport. I've had enough of only reading stories about men's sport, so I decided to do something about it. One day, female athletes will be recognised by their achievements, not by their gender. Until then, I'm going to chat to and share the stories of epic Aussie female athletes. I'm really excited to announce a new partnership with Workplace Law. The team at Workplace Law got in touch when they heard about the work we're doing at the Female Athlete Project, as they're big believers in supporting women in sport and providing opportunities for female athletes. Doing this podcast with a small production team off my own bat, I just want to thank Workplace Law for coming on board and supporting this project. I look forward to sharing more about what they do. My guest today is Olympic silver medalist, Commonwealth Games gold medalist, Australian diver, Melissa Wu. Mel competed at her first Com Games at just 13 years old and is looking to compete at her fourth Olympics in Tokyo. Mel shares some great insights into how she has learned from challenges such as injury to help her prepare for success under pressure. I hope you enjoy it. Melissa Wu, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Now, over the last two years, I was down in Melbourne playing AFLW and I got a call from my rugby sevens coach uh, where I was previously and he put the offer in for me to um, come back and join the squad and go to the Tokyo Olympics and I had a big decision to make and and a big part of that draw card was the fact that I might get to become a dual Olympian and go to my second Olympics in Tokyo. You are hoping to go to your fourth Olympics in Tokyo 2020. That's pretty astounding um, and puts you amongst the ranks of athletes like Anna Mears and Lauren Jackson, who are some of the most successful Australian athletes of all time. What does that feel like for you to, to have the chance, hopefully now in Tokyo in 2021, to go to your fourth Olympics for diving? Well, yeah, it would be pretty cool <laughs> to go to a fourth Olympics. I think I'm lucky that diving is a sport where you can start a lot younger as well. So um, it's definitely a sport where you, you start off kind of almost better and then you get like you're not as good as you get older but you build consistency and experience so it kind of levels out uh so yeah to be able to still be in the sport at this kind of stage after so long is is really amazing especially because I do platform diving which is a bit more of a hard impact on your body so I do have a fair bit of like a few injuries that I'm kind of carrying but yeah to be at this point and to be able to you know um possibly compete at Tokyo is pretty cool and I think it would be a pretty amazing Olympics to do as well and you were 13 years old when you first competed at the Commonwealth Games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How old were you when you first started diving? I was, I think I was about 10 years old. Yeah. So most divers, they come from like acrobatic kind of backgrounds. I didn't so much. Like I really enjoyed gymnastics, which I did a little bit of when I was younger, but my older sister was a swimmer and we were, we were a pretty sporty family. So everyone kind of did a bit of everything and my parents were like running us around like crazy. So uh, I didn't do like elite gymnastics or anything like that, but definitely had a little bit of that acrobatic background before I started diving, which helped as well. And what was it that you, what kind of drew you into diving? initially uh, I just loved like flipping around the house and stuff so I loved like when I did gymnastics I loved it um we I just didn't do like you know I didn't 
get very far in it just because of all our family commitments. Uh, but yeah, I used to just teach myself stuff around the house and just set up like a bunch of mattresses and cushions and just gradually like take one away <laughs> until I like didn't have anything there and would just kind of throw myself around and climb up walls and things like that. So I was just always drawn to that kind of thing. And uh, when my older sister used to race at Olympic Park, I used to always like wander down to the other side of the pool and hope that the divers would be there. And they were there a few times. I used to just love watching them train and was like, oh, I really want to try that. And yeah, I just begged my parents let me start and they never done diving they never heard much about it so I didn't think I was going to stay fit doing diving they're like oh you're just going to jump off a board and there's nothing <laughs> nothing like that you know like to do with fitness or strength about that but um yeah I just convinced them to let me start and yeah just kind of went from there when you first started you I gather you started it at a lower lower height do you remember the first time going off the 10 meter platform what that felt like yeah I think the first time off 10 meter wasn't too bad because at that point I'd had like enough years in the sport where I like knew what I was doing and you start with something like pretty simple uh, but usually the worst thing in diving is like when the first time when you learn like a hard dive or a scary dive so the first few ones of 10 were okay the first things I learned were easy but when I had to then start learning my more difficult dives that's when like I was pretty scared <laughs> I would freak out a fair bit but yeah I think I think yeah you, that's a like really common thing in diving and it does stop some people from being able to progress when they when they can't get over that fear uh, so you, you get pretty used to kind of that feeling and, and also the feeling of like wiping out and hurting yourself in the water uh, so it's just kind of mind over matter sort of thing and you just got to go for it. I'm really interested to hear in terms of the preparation with an individual diverse when you do synchronized diving um, you've had a lot of success in the synchronized diving as well what does that look like in terms of your training how much you do on your own and then when you come together and train what does that what does that balance look like? Yeah it can be really different and I think the more you can train to Together with your partner the better you'll do so I've had a lot of different combinations uh, over the years so when I was younger and I had I had a lot of success in synchro I actually we, my partner and I trained in the same pool and we would do like everything together so from the basics in we do like a lot of dry land training so a lot of stuff out of the pool so all, all of that stuff we would do together and then a lot of basic dives in the water we'd do together and then we would still do our competition list but we didn't necessarily have to have a lot of volume doing that because we were doing every other thing together uh, but then throughout the years I've also had a lot of partnerships where we literally only get together like for a few days so say we're going to travel into an international comp usually we get about three training days before we compete um, you know in a competition and sometimes we'll literally train like those three days and compete because we're from different states and we just haven't been able to like work it out and that's that's all we get so I have definitely noticed a difference there with like how you can like how well you do based on the amount of time that you have together and then and also the last few years I've just had I call it like the curse of Melissa everyone that dies with me like ends up retiring like the year oh no <laughs> and now I'm like I'm so old they're all like really young you're like 10 years younger than I'm like oh surely they'll be all right like like, but then they retire and I'm like, oh my gosh, it must be me. <laughs> the <laughs> common denominator. <laughs> Literally. So yeah, so we haven't had a really good team for a while because they just, they all retire and we, it's someone new every year pretty much. Very tough for the consistency to, yeah. to keep that combination going. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And then, so every time the new one comes in, I'm like, right, this is, we're just going to use the same 
synchro because everyone has like little different things like that are different individually so i just make like a standard synchronized like this is the arm swing we're going to do this is how we're going to do it because it's the same thing that we've done for how many years and i know that it's going to be like maybe a quick turnaround where like we, i dive with them the next person's going to come in so i just try and like simplify that because it does get confusing in my brain sometimes when i'm like constantly changing yes. <laughs> changing partners yeah i'm sure it does when you are both up there together what what is the like do you have how do you both start the dive is it a timing thing or do you yeah. say something or wink at each other i gather you don't do that it's actually like really simple it's literally like a ready one two three go and then you go but because you've practiced it you know like the timing and the, the hard thing is like when you're the counter even though it seems simple and you had you say ready one two three go and you go because you know you're going to say go you like anticipate it a little bit early so you have to wait for the go to like even though they're standing next to you, you have to wait for the other person to hear it and kind of factor that in before you go. Not Especially when you're nervous and calm, you just want to like get off the platform. So I think being the counter is definitely harder and it's something I never used to do when I was younger. But as I've gotten older, I've had like partners who are like, oh, can you count? And I'm like, okay, I can hear my voice shaking like when I'm in the competition. Yeah, it's pretty wow. funny. But uh, yeah, it's pretty simple. Do you find your mental preparation for a synchro dive different to you? your individual preparation in terms of what what you're going through in your head before you start that dive? I think for the actual dive, it's pretty similar. But when you dive with someone else, just having someone else there just helps relax you and you can chat about random things most of the time. It's pretty, I'm pretty chill in competition and it's actually, well, I try to be. I'm actually, I get quite stressed. So I do the opposite to try and calm myself down. So if I have someone who's also kind of relaxed, it's really easy. We just kind of go through the motions, chat and just be like right we're just gonna do whatever we whatever we did in training uh so I think just having that person there is really different whereas when I'm competing my own because I am I do get a bit stressed I just constantly have to like calm myself down and and try and just I guess distract myself but you can't literally like talk to yourself and when you're like you know waiting for a dive because people will be like she's really weird but uh (laughs) yeah I think it's just it's better when you have someone there just it just makes it a bit less nerve-wracking I think. You mentioned before that you've had a few injuries and particularly as you've got to the later end of your career um what have been your biggest setbacks so far in terms of those injuries? Um, definitely for the majority of my career I've had back issues so that's just something that kind of comes and goes and it's just constantly managing it and managing volume I think the hardest thing with that is not just the injury but it's knowing that I can't train the way I used to when I was younger so when I was younger I used to just whatever just go for it as many repetitions as I could and then now I get to the point where I know if I go over a certain amount that I'm going to end up injured and it's going to make me take a step backwards so it's just constantly being like just leave it there today like we you know you've got tomorrow and that kind of thing I think it's just hard when you're leading into a comp and you know you need that volume behind you but but you can't do it because it's you're just going to end up like yeah getting injured it's going to flare up um so yeah probably my back's been one of the worst ones I also had uh knee a knee injury a couple of years ago that um, that yeah kept me out for a while which is a bit of a pain uh, I got a wrist injury just yeah they're all more niggles now which is good like no, I've never haven't had any major major injuries that I've needed you know any surgeries or anything that made me retire but it's just I feel like the list just gets longer and longer there's most of my body is injured in some way even if it's manageable but it's just then trying to find things that work that doesn't flare one up or the other pretty much which is the hard part I think for me a big thing that I've learned 
learned through injury is about, yeah, trying to adapt your training to, to still make it work so that you can get the most out of it. Because I think it's so frustrating a lot of the time to feel like you're kind of missing out on, on what your competitors are, are able to do and feeling like you're, you're losing this time that you don't have to necessarily catch up on. And then I think it's taught me a lot in terms of resilience and, and being able to um, have a lot more empathy as well for, for other people going through through something similar. Do you feel like in terms of your mental preparation and resilience that that has taught you a couple of things throughout your career? Yeah, for sure. I think to injury, um, I think it's kind of twofold. Injury in that, yeah, like you said, you, you have to adapt your training and you have to learn how to deal with that. But also when you come into a competition, most of the time you feel underprepared as well because you haven't had that time to train or you haven't had the best preparation. So I think that's a, a, another kind of sort of mental toughness and resilience that you learn to just be like, okay, it is what it is in competition. You've just got to kind of deal with what you've got and, and make the best of it. Whereas I think when I first started getting injured, I had this real mentality of, oh, well, I'm not prepared. I'm not ready. And that it was kind of already like my excuse or that I was out of my hands. Whereas I think when I learned to just, yeah, own that and be like, okay, it's not going to, I'm just going to get more injured. It's not going to magically get better. So I just had to learn how to deal with that. And I think that that was kind of a key then to help me being able to also compete better and perform better under pressure because I kind of took a bit more ownership of that. And then that just crossed over into when I was nervous and under pressure, I just knew better how to deal with that. Yeah, I think that's a really big part of the process and a cool thing as you get further through your career, you can learn things that definitely then help <laughs> yeah. you in the next competition. Yeah, exactly. Looking at Rio in 2016, I actually got to come and watch you compete in Rio, which oh, was pretty cool. cool. Yeah, because we awesome. finished on day three of competition for Rugby 7. So I got to come and watch you compete, which was amazing. So you finished fifth in Rio with a score that would have been a silver medal in London. Um, what did that feel like knowing that that the way you performed was up to that standard and, and could have been a medal at, at the previous Olympics, but the standard for the Rio diving was was that high. And, and do you feel like over time you've seen diving progress and, and improve and, and people become more successful in that sense? Yeah, definitely. I think that's always the way. Sport's always going to uh, keep evolving and the standard's just going to get higher and higher. So I think it's a pretty cool like uh, like fact to kind of look at, the, look at the stats there. But I think when you're in the moment – and you're competing against those people, I guess I didn't really look back uh, to London. Or other than that, I, I came fourth in London, so that was it was pretty close and I knew I could have dived better there, which was disappointing. But other than to look at that, in terms of scores, I guess it's it's hard to compare, especially with it's a bit subjective with judges and in the moment it's a bit different. Um, but definitely on the day to come fifth, you know, I'm kind of up in the mix, uh, but, you know, I didn't quite get there. It, it's good. It's, it's good because I've been able to maintain a standard over a long period of time. So that's a really good feeling but I think too that it is also a bit of disappointment and I think even if it's not so much the placing but I I dived okay but then my last dive which is usually my strongest that's why you put it last so you can finish off with a bang I missed that and that was a bit more of more disappointing for me just to kind of finish the comp on a dive that should have been my strongest so I think in terms of that that's where I found like more of the disappointment than just in the placing which I know there's always a lot of emphasis on placing but I think it's it's also in diving a bit out of your hands all you can do is your dive and you get the scores that you're given and then you know you end up where you end up so um, I try not to focus too much on like 
just the medal because sometimes the opposite happens. You do really bad, but you, you get a medal and you're like, oh, okay, it just makes me feel better. But deep down, you know, I didn't really perform the way I should have. So, yeah, trying to put too much weight in the in the medals, but definitely a medal would be nice. <laughs> like, um, so, yeah, it, I guess it is what it is. When you're preparing for a competition, you, you're planning out your what your dives are going to be. So you were just saying you normally save the hardest dive for last. When it um, is getting close, do you ever change your dive or is it planned and that's what you stick to regardless? So we do five dives um, each round and usually we have three rounds. You have a prelim, a semi and a final. So you can change your dive list like before in between each round but you basically you have to do it in advance there's like a cutoff time usually actually you have to submit it beforehand for all three rounds but you can change it uh like before the round but there's a bit of a cutoff so they can put it all into the diving system it's all electronic uh but generally most divers stick to a similar dive list so for me I've kept the same one the same order for many many years and usually going into a comp all the you know, big competitors, you know, the ones who you're going to be competitive with, you know, roughly what their list is, what dives they're going to do, what order they're going to do it in. So nothing's like a big surprise in diving because there's rules about, you know, which groups you have to cover. So for example, we, we rotate like forwards, backwards, but then we also do inward and reverse, which is yeah, <laughs> hard to explain. And then we do twisting and then on platform, there's a handstand group as well. So girls have to do five dives and you have to cover five groups then. So there's six groups groups and men have to do all the groups girls have to do five so girls are just going to leave out whatever is their worst kind of direction uh but because of that there's not like a lot of room to play with with most girls will have the same dive lists anyway so um yeah it's not it's not that strategic or anything as much as like it probably is when you're watching the comp like oh what's coming up next but it's all kind of pre-entered beforehand and not like it's not a big surprise or anything looking forward then at gold coast 2018 i've got an audio clip that I wanted to play oh, for you. Okay. Melissa Wu. This is her final dive. She's the only one really who has a chance of beating Megan. The Canadian in the gold medal position. Can Melissa snatch it away from her? So you're at your home Commonwealth Games in front of a big Australian crowd. Yeah. Um, and this is your final dive to to have an attempt at winning the gold medal. What's going through the mind at, at that point? Uh, well, yeah, that's that's the last dive. I always leave the same dive till last. So I know I just have to hit my, you know, one of my best dives. Uh, and actually in that moment, I, I hadn't dived amazing, but I knew I was going well like well I was okay so I just said to myself you just have to hit it like you just have to do a good one like there's no excuse kind of thing um and yeah I just kind of really in the moment was like that's it I just have to do it pretty much and just had to decide and do I guess and when you hit the water did you know that you'd nailed the dive and and that you had a pretty good shot at that gold medal at that point um no because I didn't nail it (laughs) do what I told myself I had to do it was it was similar it was okay it wasn't bad it wasn't to the standard that I like would have been happy with so it was a bit of a nail-biting finish because I I, if I had done a good one I would have been like okay especially usually because it is subjective in diving if you have a home crowd you're in your home kind of country you know that the judges in the moment will go with you and it's not always on purpose in this in the moment when you, you hear all the people cheering and 
and that kind of thing. Usually the judges of the round of quad will give you, you know, a little bit extra and, and bump you up. So I, I knew they're going to go with me. All I have to do is do a good one. And, and I didn't even do that. <laughs> so I was like, in my head, I was like, you don't deserve the gold medal. <laughs> like you've thrown it. You had the chance. Um, but yeah, to, to actually get there and win the gold was pretty, pretty amazing. And, and I felt pretty lucky because yeah, I knew that it was very close and I, and I didn't do the dive that I probably should have finished on. Well, you came away with the gold, a pretty incredible achievement. How did it feel having the pressure of that home crowd? And, and do you find, I know for me, I put so much pressure on myself to perform and, and that's where a lot of my drive as an athlete comes from. But I also feel um, even for us heading into Rio, we were the favorites and we'd won the world champs that year. And they were talking about us being the gold medal girls and kind of going in with yeah, that wow. with that pressure. Do you find, um, what do you find harder between the two, the, the pressure that you put on yourself or the pressure that sometimes you might feel from family or friends or crowds, spectators, whatever that might look like? Yeah, I think I think both are hard. I think over the years I've learned how to block out a lot of the external pressures and and then just you're always going to have the pressure from yourself and I think that is also really hard to deal with but I think just being able to block things out and then just take the good things that are going to help so if something if the crowd's there I try to see it more as something's going to help me rather than pressure whereas definitely when I was younger I would have seen that more as as pressure so I think just learning how to kind of flip that in my head and and especially at that comp yeah I really like we don't we don't get any spectators to any of our diving comps ever in Australia so to have like people watching <laughs> like it's like they literally don't even charge any pool entry but we get his parents <laughs> most of the time so it's like literally empty you just hear the crickets when you, when you dive normally <laughs> so to have that I was like I'm just gonna enjoy that because that like never happens here so yeah it was it was really special actually and to hear people cheering your name then you're not really like used to it we don't host many events here or anything either international comps so yeah I was just like I'm just gonna enjoy it and and let them help me you know while I'm nervous just let that kind of fuel me to want to do well and and yeah and represent my country and do do a show proud amazing who's part of your support structure I know um your siblings are, are big into their sport as well you're mentioning your brother's a weightlifter yeah um so what does that look like and and how important is that to you with your diving yeah it's super important um especially you know I started when I was so young and and having them throughout the whole journey was a really big help so my family we're all really close all very sporty uh like from a young age and so yeah I, I'm the only diver actually my young sister did a little bit of diving but most of my family is in weightlifting which is probably I'll do a little bit of it when I'm finished diving I'm pretty bad at that though <laughs> just I'm like the yeah just the token family member that just tries and it's not very good but we'll just give it a go uh but yeah having I think just having a family though that understands and we all kind of go through the ups and downs together and and it's interesting too because you know maybe I'm injured or I'm going through a bit of a rough phase but my brother's having like a really good phase it's interesting when those timings cross in our careers and I think just having someone there to either support you when things are good or to focus on when things aren't good for you and and to have something that is still positive even though it's not yourself it's your family and you're super happy for them so I actually really love having that and and I moved away from home when I was about 17 from Brisbane to Sydney uh, and I and I moved away from my family who was up there so I miss a lot of time with them and even though they've always been supportive I yeah miss that kind of 
family, like daily interaction, having everyone at home. So now that everyone's back in Sydney, it's been really awesome to have everyone kind of back and just, you know, just the laughs and the stupid, the silly things. It just makes such a big difference when, you know, life just seems and sport just seems, you know, there's so many obstacles, so many challenges, but having that is is really important, I think. Are we going to see a, a competitive weightlifting <laughs> attempt from you? You're still oh. in other sports relatively young, older for a diver, but in other sports relatively young. So are we going to see a second sport on the cards or is this just a, a bit of a fun post-career just to keep yourself fit? Well, I have already done some weightlifting competitions. Okay. I'm not very good at all. Like I just – and I'm the only one in it because I'm in like a really – like I'm in a lightweight category because I'm so short. So <laughs> there's like just me and like master's athletes in there. <laughs> so, so I did like a – I did a comp after – it was like after our world championships – well, I don't know what year. Oh, it must have been last year. So after Worlds, um, I came back and was going to do like a weightlifting comp a few weeks later. But because I've been just focusing on diving, obviously, because that's my main, my only sport really. Weightlifting is just like a hobby. Uh, I hadn't really done any weightlifting for ages. So I was really nervous, like not just about the comp, but to just physically do the movements. So I'm really bad. So yeah, so I had to, I did state a few weeks later and um, my, my brother and my sister kind of helped coach me for that. And it is a bit more strategic in weightlifting. So we had to... We had to kind of pull a few weightlifting tricks out for me to get over the top of like the 16 year old. I was nail biting, but uh, yeah, I just pipped her at the end, which was, which was very exciting for me. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I got a blue ribbon, which I was very happy with. So yeah, it's a bit of fun. It's different. It's really different. It's cool doing a sport where you're literally starting from the like the ground and, and you don't have the pressure yet. So it was it's interesting. I actually kind of learned a lot from it and it's good to just yeah, pick up a few of those things and, and focus on that when I go back into this more stressful like diving club diving competitions my in my next segment i don't have a proper name for it but i'm going to call it questions from a five-year-old and from my grandma um so i've got a, a couple of recorded questions the first one is a recorded question from frida who's five years old hello melissa can you jump into a pool from as high as a cloud <laughs> that's a good question <laughs> I wish the landing was as soft as clouds if you did that. <laughs> oh, well, I 10 minutes is high enough for me. It's already scary enough for me, but there is cliff diving. I don't know if you've seen any of that. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. I definitely wouldn't do that ever. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty high. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty. I think they do like at least double what, what we do. So I think it's like it's more than 20 metres, I think, which is, I would, yeah, that's that's way too high. 10 metres is definitely high enough for me, I think. 10 metres is plenty. My next question is from my grandma. Hi, Melissa. Looking back over your life so far, what are you most proud of? That's a really, really hard question. Good question. Um, I think definitely it has to be like winning a silver medal at the Olympics. I think not just because of the medal, but I think just everything that went into that, even though I was I was 16 at the time, just trying to, you know, navigate all the challenges of being younger and the squad that I was training in was quite stressful. It was very performance focused. We used to have the AIS in Brisbane. Uh, so they kind of put everybody there and it was just very like competitive kind of environment. And just to keep your place in that squad was super stressful. So I ended up, you know, I went in with a, with a, you know, about a squad of four or five of us. And then within a year I was the only one left and it was just me and a bunch of older athletes. So yeah, I think 
that just yeah going from nothing to then a few years later being able to do that was I think the thing that just kind of set not not only started my career but just taught me a lot about myself and what I could achieve and uh yeah I guess yeah I learned a lot from it (laughs) yeah that's awesome do you have any interesting rituals or habits that you do to prepare yourself for competition are you are you superstitious at all uh, not really. I want to think of something cool to say, but actually I, from when I was really young, I think cause diving is a quite like a lot of people in it are perfectionist and you have to kind of have that to, you know, well, you don't have to, but a lot of, a lot of divers have that about them. And I'm one of those people. So I knew, I saw as a young diver, all these divers with these ridiculous, like little things they did. And I thought to myself, I'm not going to have any of that. Cause but in a few years, I'm going to have every little thing wanting to be perfect. So I made a conscious decision from young age to just block out like all of those things and they start you they they start creeping in like you want to do things a certain way but I just say like nah not not going to do any of that and I think it's so unpredictable when you get to comp and the, if something happens and you let that moment kind of define whether or not you could achieve your best or not is it's kind of silly so for me I try and like avoid all of those kind of things I like I like to wear swimmers like that I'm comfortable and that's the only thing we have really that we wear just one <laughs> one pair of swimmers so usually you know maybe if I had a good session in we get two pairs and I had a good session in one I'll wear that one but I'm not too crazy about anything because yeah it, some divers have some <laughs> very specific things and yeah I just thought that wouldn't be good <laughs> Could end up like Nadal on the tennis yeah, court, exactly. pulling out the wedgie and, and doing that whole routine. I think I'm quite similar in the sense I feel like if I have some kind of superstition or people have like a favourite pair of undies that they wear yeah. or they <laughs> do their hair with a specific ribbon or have a meal and it's like you're travelling overseas and there's so many different factors. Like what if you lose your favourite pair of undies or what if something happens? Like, I, yeah, I agree that I don't think you want to put too much too much pressure on, on that kind of thing. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Um, what does the qualification process look like heading to Tokyo? They're still calling it Tokyo 2020, but for 2021. <laughs> yeah, so ours was actually, we're in the middle of getting, so we have a couple of events where you can get quota spots for Australia uh, to be able to compete in, in the Olympics. So we were about to have our uh, last and final comp to get the last quota spots. So we've, we've got most of our individual spots um, for Australia, but we a lot of our synchro teams we don't have them yet, so that was going to be our last chance to do that. Uh, but they actually they had to cancel that because of COVID. So that was then moved to February next year. But we actually just found out officially this morning that that's going to get pushed back to April. So yeah, so then our our like trials for that and our nationals is also going to get moved from the end of this year to to February next year so I think so yeah so everything's kind of in the process of being pushed back and nothing's set in stone yet so generally yeah we need to have that qualification comp because otherwise we don't know which countries can put people into the Olympics and then in terms of our actual Olympic trials that'll just be dictated by whatever else happens (laughs) you know um, on the world stage. Have you found that difficult in terms of the motivation for the day-to-day training? Because I know from our training at the at the beginning when the Olympics was first cancelled and postponed, I found it pretty tricky to do such a high intensity of training without really knowing what competition was going to be next, when it was going to be, all of that kind of thing. Have you found that difficult in terms of staying motivated with your training? I think I'm actually I'm a pretty motivated person. So I think for me, I haven't found the motivation difficult, but probably the thing I found the most difficult is that I have kind of set up a lot of things in my life, you know, like to kind of keep me busy. And I hadn't made a definite decision about retirement 
after Tokyo. But in case I'd set up, you know, a lot of things outside of diving that I'm that I'm currently doing. And now with another year of having to put everything that you you would know as a fellow athlete, like the things that you have to put into sport, it's not just the hours you train, but it's the mental side. It's you know the nutrition and the you know a psychologist and all the other the physio, all that kind of thing. Uh, I think for me having do that doing that for another year and trying to maintain a lot of different things is probably the most challenging thing for me so I am motivated still and I think I know even if things get pushed back we're working off a rough time frame and if it does get I don't know if the Olympics will get pushed back I think if it gets that point they may have to just cancel it so yeah I think at least I know this is the time frame working in so I just have to kind of last (laughs) until that date but I want to be able to do more than just last and just get that I want to put everything into it and I think for me juggling everything is where the real challenge comes at the moment (laughs) what does that look like post diving um once you do make that decision whenever that is to retire besides um lifting weights against (laughs) 60 year olds what what does post diving life look like for you my brother and I have a business called hardcore strength so basically he has a weightlifting club so it's all weightlifting based at the moment but I also do kind of gymnastic style training but mainly aimed at crossfit so it's kind of more crossfit gymnastics so together we kind of uh team up on that and I'll probably work in crossfit and probably do a bit of crossfit and then dabble in a little bit of weightlifting, uh which is good and then I also have an active wear label called Havoc Athletic so that kind of launched uh I don't even know what year we're in <laughs> I'm getting so confused today. so it's been it's been I've had it for about almost a year now uh so yeah now it's getting difficult to kind of stay on top of everything while still spending all this time your training and everything as well uh but yeah that's probably going to keep me pretty busy and I also I also sorry coach uh diving our youngest squad our and Swiss squads be yep. there between the age of about like eight and 14 ish so yeah that's been really fun they just do about four sessions four sessions a week so nothing crazy but I, I love doing that and and yeah bring to the next generation so yeah that probably all that will keep me busy I don't think I'll take on too much more after diving but I'll be able to put more time into those things after the fact yeah it sounds like you've got a fair bit going on (laughs) where did the uh, inspiration come from for the active wear label uh I think just being an athlete and just training and stuff for most of my life I just wanted to find uh active wear that was kind of a bit more suited to what I'm doing so we wear probably different to the kind of clothes you wear like more of like a little kind of short shorts and things where you can have a full kind of range of motion in because of all the stuff that we do in diving uh and then now being in CrossFit as well a bit more I think I've seen like they have kind of similar sort of taste to me and and, and what they need for their sport so yeah I think just moving into that kind of space made me think oh, okay there's a bit of a bit of a market for this so I think yeah that was kind of where I started and then just developing that now which has been fun awesome I've got a few would you rather questions for you so the first would you rather would you rather perfect a dive with a low degree of difficulty or do a nearly perfect dive of a high degree of difficulty. Oh, I don't know. That's hard. Uh, depends how ba- how much off I am. <laughs> if it's way off, I'll go the easy one. But if it's just slightly off, I'll, I'll pick the higher duty. <laughs> okay. Would you rather, if you made a mistake off the 10-meter platform, do a belly flop or land on your back? Back, definitely. Belly flop hurts. You can't breathe. You come up like, and you're like trying to swim to the edge and like, <laughs> and you're just hoping someone's going to jump in. <laughs> 
crappy. So yeah, definitely take the back landing. That's a good piece of advice. <laughs> you heard it here first. Final would you rather dive into a pool of cold minestrone soup or a pool of warm honey? Warm honey, for oh, sure. That was quick. Yes, you knew. Anything cold hurts. <laughs> so you're in soup and it hurts. At least the honey would just be gross, but it won't hurt as much. Thank you so much for coming on today. I've absolutely loved having a chat and it's been so cool to learn about yeah your, your career and everything you've learned along the way and, and can't wait to keep watching you in the lead up to Tokyo. Awesome. Thank you. Can't wait to keep listening to podcasts. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you on the next episode. You can find us on Instagram at the Female Athlete Project.